Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. Hopefully I'm off. Hopefully you're able to enjoy the bull bonanza today. We have a great show. We're going to talk top moments in 2021. We're going to talk about top games in top 20 in 2021 uh, for the Bucks and everybody else. I'll explain that. Uh, we'll also get into uh, the Wisconsin Badgers winning the Las Vegas Bowl as well as the Packer. We won't really do a betting preview because Kirk Cousins is COVID. We don't know what the line's going to look like. That just broke. Thankfully, we did a late pod today. So we have that information ready to go. So we'll react to that. We'll talk about what the implications are for this game. I will probably do the Packers first, Badgers second, by the way. I know I said Badgers, Packers. I meant the other way around. So we'll do that. Can't wait. I'm excited to talk about the year in review, which mostly is around the Milwaukee Bucks. So on the Tapping the Keg podcast on Wednesday, we talked about how the Bucks won 2021. Um, I don't probably need to go into much more detail around the top moment of the year. Uh, you guys already know that I felt like the Bucks had the best championship out of anybody in sports this year. I thought that there is no team that had a better championship than the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, I'm biased. Yes, I lived it. Um, it is one of those things that I will always remember. Um, I remember the first game which funny enough, I got into a large fight with my wife that day. Large fight. Like we were not happy with each other. Um, we were in separate rooms. Uh, we have a small uh, flat in Milwaukee, so it was it's hard. And I remember watching that game and thinking about, here we go again. Here it is. Like this is going to be hell. All this other stuff. Throwing my phone. Like going crazy. And then the Bucks win, and Middleton has this huge moment, and. I, I, I think I said it somewhere. I wish I had said it on the podcast. I wish I had said it in like a blog or something, but I was like, this is the start of the championship run. And I knew it. I knew this was the start of the championship DVD. The Bucks then blow out the heat in game two. And I, really the rest is history. Really from there, Milwaukee it's asserted their dominance. And then in game three, it was a Saturday afternoon. Mitch and I started the Broadhouse run and the Broadhouse boys were born and went like 12 and 3 I think at the Broadhouse or something crazy along those lines. We loved the Broadhouse. They were great to us. I wish I would have done more of a partnership maybe next year. Um stay tuned. I I do think if if Bucks are going to be back obviously, we might have to do a Broadhouse partnership and look at it because it's too good not to. It's too good not to take advantage of it. It's too good of an opportunity for the Broadhouse to also get some free marketing out of it. I won't charge them, but we we need to do a partnership. That just needs to happen. And that those moments though were great. I mean, I've talked about it before, but the you know, just having all my friends at the game seven against Brooklyn. And I remember watching that game and that game was so stressful, but I at some point took a second to look around and see all my friends were together. And when you're 33, um, you don't always get all your buddies together. And when I had all my friends there, I was like, you know what? If we fucking lose this game, it's fine. Like I am with everyone in my life that I care about. I maybe not everybody, but I, it was really fucking close to everybody in my life that wasn't my wife that was there. And it was so cool. And the fact that he won was awesome. Just an incredible day. Um, and the finals, I mean, the whole run, the just all the different moments throughout were so special. We're so special. And the Bucks winning a championship will be something that I will never forget. You know, hopefully um, I have kids down the road. Hopefully I have a son, if not a daughter, that I can just tell them about the experience and what it was like. And I hope 
that they get to an age where they're able to enjoy it. Uh, you know, I obviously think kids figuring out sports is like one of my greater joys ever. Um, Morgan has my wife, Morgan has a f- friends or, you know, family friends of hers who have young kids who are like huge Packer fans. And like, I think it's so awesome that how much they love the Packers. Cause it reminds me of myself and like, and not just wearing the Jersey, but actually like knowing your shit and knowing about it. And I think that's so cool. And it just brings me back. So hopefully I can share my love of sports with my son or daughter and really under you know really get into it and be basically get to be a kid again and get to live through that and show them those experiences that I had when I when I grew up and hopefully we can have a championship I got a championship when I was eight when the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl I had to wait till I was 20 22 I think I was 22 when the pack yeah 22 when the Packers won the Super Bowl again uh, which was incredible and then at 33 I was able well I was not 33 I was 32 32 to get the next championship I'm hoping that it will be a lot sooner um, just given the Packers success given the fact that I do think the Bucks are the best team in the NBA again and think they can repeat and I look at what they've done so far this year and I'm like well could be doing this all over again and maybe the second one will be even even better um they won't call us a fluke for damn sure if the bucks win too straight and then you start talking about a milwaukee dynasty so the championship is definitely the top moment of the year for all the reasons that we mentioned you know number two on my list is the fans just returning to lambo fiser forum am fam like the i that we didn't have fans in 2020 i think was such a mind fuck. Um, just to watch going to watch that game against the Packers and Lions week two last year, not this year. Well, actually, it's funny they they played each year in week two, and in 2020, no fans were in the stands, and it was completely empty, and it was so fucking weird. It was a bright sunny day. It was a beautiful day at Lambeau Field, and nobody was in the stands. Nobody was there. Nobody was. Uh, you know, in the stadium besides maybe some workers, things like that. And it was just the players and the coaches, everybody's in masks on the sidelines. It was so weird. And it was weird for a long time. And then you had 2021 where it's a Monday night game and, and Lambeau is completely filled, going nuts, having fun. And I, I said to you guys a few times that I feel like Lambeau has been louder this year because of the year off, basically. And everybody has realized that we can't take our Packer tickets for granted. We can't take it for granted at all. And then the Pfizer Forum, exactly the same. You know, getting larger crowds as the year went on and as the Bucks continued their run throughout the playoffs was so special. And to have the rabid fan base was just absolutely awesome. And it was something that I think all of us, you know, look fondly at and, and remember, you know, those full crowds. And same with Miller Park getting to full capacity and Miller Park having reopening day in late June and having full crowds back in October. It was it was awesome. It was just so cool to have fans back in the stadium. And I know it was overdone. I know it was talked to jump the jump around moment too. I didn't add Camp Randall to this list. But the jump around moment was another one where it was absolutely phenomenal to just bring everybody back. And I feel like jump around, the moment there, even though the Badgers lose that game, I think that moment was maybe the one of the quintessential moments of college football this season. 
So having fans back was really special. I realized that with Omicron, there's a lot of stuff going on. I know Toronto is not going to have fans again. Canada is another country. Like Canada, I they're so different than the United States. We're not, not going to do a quick COVID corner. And I know Fiserv has masks again. I will just say that a lot of this is an overreaction. Uh, first of all, Omicron, it, masks don't work. So I realize why they're doing this, but it's theater in, in a long run. It, it's truly theater. Um, and Omicron surges happen and they go down immediately. So really, these next four weeks are going to suck. They're going to be really bad. There's going to be a lot of misinformation out there. But I just tell you, like once we get to February, I think everything's going to be okay. So hopefully everybody can keep their cool, keep hold their water, and just relax and we'll we'll hope that hope that for everybody but that's kind of my first hope of the first part of 2022 other things that worth talking about the bucks parade celebration probably my top regret of 2021 is that i didn't schedule time off work and go do the bucks celebration for the day or at least schedule half i i mean that to peek behind the curtain it was a really busy time at work it was like the end of the quarter for us and i was like all right i can't can't really take off here. It was like a random Thursday and my team is a lean team in, in general. So I didn't want to just leave them out to dry and say, all right, I'm going to take some time off. Still, I regret that I didn't do that because I don't know if I'll get that opportunity again. And if I do, great. But it was it was really difficult for me to say, all right, I, I'm not going to be able to celebrate this with with the fans. I didn't even, after work that day, I didn't go out. I should, again, another moment of like, I should have definitely hopped out and just experienced like what the harp was going on. I think the harp was charging like a $50 cover that day because PJ Tucker was there. Um, you know, the, the PJ Tucker run through the city, I think endeared him to so many fans. And then that was such a gut punch when he left. We've went over that before and other, it's not, we're not here to talk about negativity stuff, but that celebration was all timer and it was a great time to be in the city. I wish that I had done more that day. I wish that I was involved more. I don't think I'm going to pass up that opportunity again. Um, definitely something that I regret, you know, all through. I will regret probably my rest of my life, especially if the Bucks don't win another one. But hopefully they do. I think they are going to. So I think I'm going to have another shot at this. Uh, so I won't fuck it up next time. Next top moment, the Aaron Rodgers drama has to be discussed. Like it has to be part of your 2021 year in review. You can't leave the Aaron Rodgers drama off the table. It sucked. It wasn't fun. It was extremely exhausting at times. But the Aaron Rodgers drama consumed us all. Draft night, Aaron Rodgers wanting out. I went to a Brewer game that night. Um, I was able to get like front row seats. I think at the time, uh, the Brewers still were having limited capacity. Um, and I think we still had to wear masks. But anyways, it was like early. And I remember we're like all refreshing our phones. Like is Rogers going to get traded? Mark Schlereth was reporting Rogers could get traded to Denver. Like we had no idea what was going to happen. We had no idea if Aaron Rodgers was going to leave the Packers at that time. And then everything kind of went radio silent for a long time. We didn't know. Rodgers then does his press conference, explains what he had gone through, explains that there was some misinformation, and then they've rebuilt their relationship. Now, Aaron Rodgers, the way he talked last week or this week about sort of his future uh, was one that I thought was really interesting. You know, Mitch has called me crazy to say, I think if they win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers could retire. And I had 
sort of gotten on Mitch's side. Like I had started to say, all right, you're right, Mitch. Like this is a fantasy. Like I, I'm living in a fucking dream. You're absolutely right. But then I heard that press conference and now I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, I just, I, part of me wonders if Aaron Rodgers is just done with this. If Aaron Rodgers is just like, you know what? Like all the bullshit, all the criticism, all this stuff. And I know people are, hey, Aaron Rodgers ain't gonna cancel, whatever. I save that for fucking Twitter or save that for your friends. But I think that there is part of it that Aaron Rodgers might just be sick of it. And Aaron Rodgers might just want to get away. Now, could he pull a Favre and retire for a year and be like, you know what? I still miss it. I, I could 100% see that. Because if he retires for a year, I believe then he is freed of his contract and he can sign whoever he wants. So I, I think there is a real opportunity that Aaron Rodgers might just take a gap year. It would not surprise me at all. If Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Super Bowl, retires and says, I'm done. But then in a year after, he'd be like, ah, I still got it. I still could play. Like Aaron Rodgers could definitely play for multiple years if he wants to. But if he is sick of the bullshit, I would not be surprised if he goes out on top and just says, I'm done. Now, if they lose again in the NFC Championship game or the Packers fall short of a Super Bowl, I don't know. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to say, I'm, I'm done with it. And I don't know if he's going to be able to say, I'm done with the Packers. And I don't think there's any way that Green Bay is going to let go of Aaron Rodgers. I have been steadfast in my belief that Jordan Love is going to get traded this offseason. I think that's what Green Bay is going to do. I think the realization for the Packers that Jordan Love was someone who they basically thought they could repeat the Favre stuff. They thought they needed to. They thought Aaron Rodgers had lost a step. We've went through this before. I've done this a few times with you guys. But they obviously made a mistake. And I think Brian Gutekunst has owned his shit. I think Brian Gutekunst has built a Super Bowl roster for Aaron Rodgers. The question is, will everybody get the job done? Just because you build a Super Bowl roster does not mean you get the trophy at the end. That's not how it works, unfortunately. There are a lot of teams who build Super Bowl rosters, and they don't fucking get there. Two teams get there. As I've said to you guys, it's really fucking hard to win a Super Bowl. It is just really hard. We'll see if the Packers can do it. And definitely, that kind of wove into the, the, the other moment I had for this year of you know, Packers rebound and get a, and, and it, you know, rebound after an NFC title loss. You know, really only the year after Seattle, where Green Bay kind of looked lifeless after that year after and wasn't that fun of a year and everything like that. Well, their, their run to table year was also brutal. That was two years after. But that's where I think the fraying of Rodgers and McCarthy started. And you look at that run to table year, and I know they get to the NFC Championship game, but I wish Green Bay would have had the foresight of saying, oh shit, Mike McCarthy's not really that good of a coach, and Aaron Rodgers basically willed us to an NFC Championship game, probably we should reset and start over. They didn't, whatever. And it's probably for the better, because we got Matt LaFleur, and Matt LaFleur has been a fucking phenomenal coach. He's probably going to win Coach of the Year finally, and get sort of the credit and that he's deserved, and that it's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and so that's great. So yes, Green Bay rebounded from that. They're number one seed. There's a real chance that Green Bay will get it. They could clinch if Dallas were to lose this week. That would be ideal because then you get another showcase of Jordan Love in week 18. Let Rodgers rest that foot a little bit. I think that would be great. But yeah, Green Bay, that rebound has been fantastic. The run has been really fun this year. It's been a great team to cheer for. And hopefully they can finish it off. And they are a top moment in 2022. 
Lastly, I actually have one more after this, but Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young is a big moment. Uh, it, it just was. Uh, the Corbin Burns having the year that he did was really fucking special. Uh, Corbin Burns was incredible this year. Uh, one of the best pitchers to watch uh, just day in, day out. Um, I had said it on this show over the summer that Corbin Burns was appointment television. That, you know, you can't really watch 162 per games. You just can't. It's impossible. You got shit going on. You have other games like Bucks and Brewers play at the same time during the Bucks playoff run. But when Corbin Burns was out there, you wanted to watch. That was must-see television. And I think it will continue to be. Corbin Burns will probably be the opening day starter. Uh, he overtook Brandon Woodruff as sort of the ace of this team. But I think Brandon Woodruff can easily win a Cy Young next year. That's how crazy the Brewers rotation is. And Freddie Peralta, I think, is going to be really good too. And God willing, they have a season. But yeah, Corbin Burns, just a terrific year for him. He was awesome to watch. And I am going to always think, what about the game five? And I'm just going to... That's going to bother me for a while. I think if the Brewers never get to the, the World Series or or get to that final destination, I realize it's a lot harder for the Brewers to win a title than it is for the Bucks or the Packers. They have much more of an uphill climb. I think that'd be actually a really good segment to do. Maybe something I'll, I'll holster uh, talking about all the teams in, in Wisconsin and how hard it is for them to win a title. Just based on roster construction, salary cap, all the transfers, all that shit for football, college, sports, Marquette and Wisconsin. But yeah, those are to me top moments professionally. I will also add to the mix, you know, the emergence of Braylon Allen, I think has, has to be a moment for you know Wisconsin sports that Braylon Allen sort of is what's next like you look at Braylon Allen and there's a real potential that he could be a Heisman winner next year he could be you know he's definitely going to be a favorite in that in that mix and you bring Graham Mertz back you bring a lot of Wisconsin back next year and I do think the Badgers are going to contend for a Big Ten title as well as maybe a college football playoff We'll talk a little more about the Badgers at the tail end of this show, but but he has to be mentioned. I think Marquette's hiring of Shaka Smart is another moment that deserves to be talked about because he's turned around sort of the energy of Marquette, at least in the first couple months. We'll see if that continues, but the Shaka Smart sort of arrival has brought a different vibe to Marquette, and it's been a lot, it's been so fun to watch that Marquette team. It feels like I haven't watched them in forever because they've been on a significant pause due to COVID because they weren't able to, like the UConn game, I think was their last one, which was right before Christmas. And they weren't able to play against St. John's on Wednesday. Uh, that game got canceled because of COVID. They are going to be playing Creighton on on New Year's Day at 11 a.m. Uh, at the Pfizer Forum. That crowd will be easily still, that crowd will be as lifeless as it can fucking get. I can't believe they're playing and are the Bucks on the road? Because they have a Marquette game at eleven, and I think I think there's a Bucks game at one. Or at, I'm sorry, at okay, yeah, that that game's at five thirty. So they have a game at eleven, and then they have a game at five thirty. That's quite a uh, turnaround there for the Pfizer folks on New Year's Day. So hopefully those people aren't uh, having themselves a New Year's Eve. But yeah, that that's that should be good. It'll be good to see Marquette again. But yeah, Shaka Shaka's arrival to Marquette rounds out the top moments for 2021. As for top games, so I started to do this. I started to like list it out. I started to think about it. I ended up watching the sort of the 10 minute recap of game five, game six, or game four, game five, and game six for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then I realized like, 
the Bucks had all the best games of the year. There's no way that you can do this and say, all right, we're going to only include these three games, but not include, you know, a couple others, you know, and there are ones that I'll leave off this list, but I look at it and I say, all right, there are top games for the Bucks, and then there are top games for everybody else. It just has to be that way. Uh, top games for the Bucks. I have the Valley Oop number one. So you're going to be like, Charlie, why didn't you have them win the championship game? I will explain this in a second. But the Valley Oop is number one. That game was fucking phenomenal. Like you, the Bucks had a large lead in that game. They lose it. It is twenty. It is one twenty to one twelve with two minutes left, and all of a sudden Phoenix comes back, and Giannis can't make free throws. And you just think about what could have happened if that game went wrong. And then Drew Holiday steals the ball, and the value happens, and it is an incredible, iconic play that I think you will see for. Ever and ever. It is among the top NBA plays and kind of the play that maybe sparks Giannis's career that you look at it and you say, yes, that is the moment for Giannis where it's like LeBron's in the background of the photo. Don't forget that. Like if you look at the photo itself, LeBron's in the background and it's almost like this changing of the guard moment for the NBA. And Giannis dunks it, throws it home. He doesn't make the free throw to end. He was terrible at the line in that fourth quarter, as I mentioned. And they tip it out. They get to Middleton. They win that game. And the Bucs then go on to win game six and win the title. But there, I mean, the things that could have happened had the Bucs blown that game. I mean, that would have been an all-time collapse. It would have been an all-time trust the, don't trust the Bucs moment. And it would have changed. It could have shaped so many different things because they would have had to go back to Phoenix, even if the Bucks won Game Six, and then they would have had a Game Seven, which probably would have put me in a casket. It sure would have put Mitch in a casket. But yes, the value oop was incredible. Uh, looking back in retrospect, Middleton closing out Game Four was also incredible, more incredible than the honest fifty-point game. Uh, like I said, I'll get to it. But that Game Four. The Bucs were down 10 points in the fourth quarter. The Bucs looked kind of dead. Like the Bucs looked like it, every all the emotion of game three had kind of sucked it out for game four. And then they slowly but surely start coming back. Pat Connaughton hit some massive threes in that fourth quarter. Chris Middleton then gets hot late. He has an 8-0 run that basically douses Phoenix. And every fucking Middleton hater shut up then and never spoke again. Now, granted, I think those Middleton haters were already dead from games past. But that game like put them in the ground. That was the last nail in the coffin when it came to the Middleton hate because he won that game for Milwaukee. The Giannis block, again, another iconic moment for Giannis and in the NBA, that thing you'll watch time and time again. Those are the two highlights that I think everybody will remember from this finals run. Number three is, yes, the Bucs win the NBA Finals with the 50-point game. So I know what you'll say. Charlie, why isn't that the top game? That has to be the top game. Giannis has 50 points. They win the NBA Finals. Well, here's the thing. Game wasn't that good. (laughs) The game was a slog. Like, it was an absolute rock fight for some reason. And I guess I remember it differently. I was at the Broad House, of course, that game. And I thought the Bucs, like, had sort of taken over. And basically, Phoenix, 
you know, it had, came back late, made it respectable, but the Bucks won at the end. No, that game was back and forth kind of all night. Phoenix had a 14. I forgot that Phoenix led by seven points heading into halftime. Like, I totally forgot that Phoenix was up by seven heading into the break. And then the Bucks come back. They had a really good third quarter. Giannis then starts taking over. The 50 points is incredible. The 50 points will be something we never forget. But if you look at it from an actual game perspective, it, it just does not compare to the value or Middleton finishing off in game four. I mean, if Middleton doesn't do that in game four, the Bucks are down 3-1. Bucks are down 3-1 heading to Phoenix on a Saturday night in the desert like that would have been terrible that would have, oh my god like there is so many moments in that box and i think this is probably the case for every basketball and maybe baseball you know title runs hockey too where you just look back and you're like fuck how the hell did this happen like game one when we talked about that earlier like the heat game which is not even on my list like i'm like oh my god like the brooklyn game is the next one brooklyn game seven that to me might that actually might be better than any of the finals games if you just think about it like the Durant Giannis back and forth Drew Holiday had been terrible all game all of a sudden starts finding himself Middleton was incredible down the stretch in that and it and Durant's foot's on the fucking line if Durant's foot's an inch inch past it they win that game at the buzzer all-time Bucks loss I I that if if that would have happened like that's worse than any Packer loss I had, I would have had in my life. It honestly would. It, nothing would have compared to that. But it did it. And the Bucks win in overtime. And that overtime, I mean, that to me, there has not been a more stressful game in my life. I, I've never been more stressed out. And I just my heart just racing. Just slugging Miller lights because I, I had nothing else to do. Like, that's all I was doing for that entire moment was just pounding beers because i was so fucking nervous and they end up coming out and winning that game absolutely incredible moment for the bucks and everything else brook and bobby winning game five of the atlanta hawks rounds us out i that again the Giannis gets injured it's this terrible thing we wonder all about it i mean that that not making top moments is another honorable mention. Like Giannis got hurt. Like I, I think people just forget about it. I I kind of did too. But it's like that moment where they come back and they win that game and kind of the emotion of it all. It said everything about the Bucks team and it really drives home that this was a team. This wasn't Giannis and everybody else. After Giannis gets hurt, everybody picks it up. Brooke has 33 points. Bobby has a huge game. Drew and Drew and Chris also had big games in that one. But it was the Bucks being a team. And I, I don't think you should discredit that. And you should remember that. Maybe there were better games than that. But just the not knowing what you were going to expect after Giannis's injury and the Bucks coming back and saying, we got you. And then winning game six and being the the champions of the Eastern Conference and moving on to the finals. And then the unknown, if you'd have Giannis for game one, and you did, and things kind of went off the rails. Bucks were down 2-0. That's the other thing, Last, the last, last thing about the Bucks, And then we'll talk about the rest of the top moments. And we, we got to get going because this has been a longer podcast. But I, I love reminiscing about this, the title run for the Bucks. They were down 2-0 to Brooklyn and Phoenix and still won the title. 
Never say die. I think the 2-0 is is not a is an insurmountable comeback in the NBA. It's kind of a dead dead theory. I think the Bucks put that into the ground uh, with their wins against Brooklyn as well as Phoenix. All right, other top games really quickly uh, that were not necessarily Bucks games. Uh, the Packers beating the Rams in the playoffs was a lot of fun. Uh, that Rams team got a ton of hype. The Packers just were awesome in that game. The escape against San Francisco, the Rodgers drive, the Mason Crosby field goal. San Francisco, to me, is the top rival for the Packers, so they were able to beat that was really special. Dan Vogelbach's walk-off grand slam was, I mean, talk about an incredible moment for the Milwaukee Brewers. They were dead in the water in that game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Vogelbach hits the grand slam to win it. Corbin Burns is no-no. Uh, was really special. Uh, one that I think gets forgotten because it was a mid-September game, but still ha- finally breaking that no-no curse uh, that the Brewers had had. It's also a no-no that is shared, so it was Burns did not finish it off, but Burns and Hayter, I mean, two the two top guys for the Brewers, I think that's that's okay by me. And then, and then the Brewers burying the Cubs and sort of sending the Cubs into a tailspin. Remember, people kind of forget this, but the Brewers sweep the Cubs. Brewers were down 7 nothing. Uh, Aaron Ashby's first start did not go well. The Brewers were down to score 15 straight runs. And that was sort of the end and sort of the time where the Cubs knew it. Soon after that, Anthony Rizzo gets traded. Chris Bryant gets traded, and and Javi Baez also gets traded. So the Cubs were officially dead. The Brewers ended the Cubs' sort of run with their 2016 World Series team. Don't forget that. I think that gets lost in the shuffle, but that's definitely something from a top game and a top moment perspective where the Brewers sort of said, all right, this is fun, but you guys are kind of over. So goodbye, see you later, and uh, we'll, we'll now assume the throne of the NL Central. Although I do think the Cardinals will definitely challenge and if we have a season the Cardinals are going to make some moves to try to you know position themselves to be the top contender they did get Steven Matz but be a fun fight between the Brewers and the Cardinals all right let's do a little bit of uh, rapid fire here with the Packers and Vikings as well as the Badgers win in Las Vegas Green Bay Packers are taking on Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings have been a kind of a weird thorn in their side team for Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur has been great against everybody. The only team he's lost twice to um, in his career has been, well, actually lost San Francisco. But he has not really seemed to figure out the Minnesota Vikings. They had the you know win game last year, which probably would not have been a as much of a factor if there were no if there were fans in the stands uh, because of the wins it affected Aaron Rodgers the Packers really couldn't get their run game going against Minnesota Minnesota did and Delvin Cook ran wild and the Packers were upset in that game it was also a look ahead spot for Green Bay as they were getting ready to play San Francisco who as I mentioned top rival in my opinion uh, on that Thursday night and they were to lose that game then you had the game this year where Green Bay, you know, came in pretty hot. Aaron Rodgers had been coming back. He was off, you know, the COVID IL. It was his first week, sort of first full week, and it didn't work out. Uh, the Green Bay gets beat by Minnesota. It's a back and forth. The offense just absolutely annihilates this Packer defense that had been getting a ton of hype, and that's kind of where we've seen the Packer defense start to show some signs of softness and so some cracks. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen absolutely tore up that team, and that was the second time that Matt LaFleur has lost to the Vikings. Now, to Matt LaFleur's credit, he has beat the Vikings, you know, in 
U.S. Bank Stadium on a Monday night to win the NFC North in 2019. Like, that can also be lost in the shuffle. Yeah, he's had some issues with Zimmer, but I wouldn't say these issues are usually all on him. It's usually the Packer defense can't seem to figure out all the firepower that Minnesota has. But Minnesota could be dead in the ground for this game. You have Kirk Cousins now who will not be playing because he tested positive for COVID-19. He's unvaccinated. And even with the new rules, uh, Kirk Cousins will not make it for this game. He's out um, because he got tested positive Friday. That means that the earliest Cousins can come back is Tuesday. It's an absolute death blow to what Minnesota is trying to do, trying to get to the playoffs. You now have to rely on either Sean Mannion, Kellen Mann, or Kyle Sloter. Uh, Sean, uh, Sean, Sean Mannion, there we go. Sean Mannion is on the COVID list as well. He still could come off. So there's a potential that Sean Mannion could be back for Minnesota. If he's not, they have to go with rookie Kellen Mann. Now, I don't want to get overly confident about this game because it's still a rivalry game. It's still a game that Minnesota it needs to win. Minnesota will say, all right, we are just going to ground and pound. We're going to look at what Cleveland did. We're going to look at what Baltimore did. And that's all we are going to do to the Green Bay Packers. It, it, it's a fair strategy. And it's a strategy that Green Bay has to be prepared for. And maybe because Green Bay doesn't necessarily have to anticipate anything in the passing game they can play up and they can give themselves more of an opportunity to stop the run I have to believe that Green Bay is going to be better against the run I can't I can't ignore what happened against Cleveland and it happened against Baltimore but I also can't like think that the Packers are arrogant enough to basically let it happen again that says all right we're just gonna you know let teams just run up and down the tackles Chicago did the same thing you know they ran on the two and the eight hole for those who don't do football the two hole is like basically one tight end the eight hole is the other tight end if you're playing Madden RP you know a single back set like that's basically where they're running the football they're running right off that tight end and that's what's giving the Packers so much trouble and part of the reason why is due to their contain issues so as long as Green Bay sets the edge, I think they win this game easily. Not really worried about it. I'll be curious to see where the spread goes. It was seven. I thought that was actually a great number. I was like, you throw Packers on a bunch of teases, you can do a bunch of things with that. Now that you have Kirk Cousins out, I think Kirk Cousins is at least worth three points. I think if you're able to get it under 10, that's probably a gift. Uh, but if it is if it is 10 or higher, I would not... I would not recommend that just given the fact that Minnesota and Green Bay have had some weird stuff happen. This is a weird matchup. It always is. Um, we've seen you know lesser quarterbacks than than whoever's the Kirk Cousins backup beat the Packers. You know, I think Joe Webb beat the Packers one time. So like I'm not necessarily like going to crown Green Bay. I think Green Bay knows what's in front of them. I think we'll know early on how Minnesota wants to play this game because the game is going to be in freezing cold temperatures. It's going to be one of the coldest nights in Lambeau Field since I think 2013. Like this is going to be a freezing game. If Minnesota wants to be there, they have a good first quarter. And Packers have struggled in the first quarter too. But if Minnesota wants to be there, we're going to know first defensive possession. Because if they show you know, show some heart, then it's going to be, all right, this is going to probably be a four-quarter game. But Minnesota kind of looks like they don't want to be here. They're too cold. They're kind of just like, ah, that that's going to mean a lot. And that's going to mean that Green Bay could just pulverize this team and blow out Minnesota, end their season, potentially end the road for Mike Zimmer. I think Justin Jefferson comments weren't that great. And I think you're in more of a player empowerment era. So it could be the end for not only Mike Zimmer, but also the Minnesota Vikings season. And I think the Kirk Cousins COVID stuff does not help one bit.
quick thoughts on the Badgers, and then we'll ride out of here because we're getting to like 11 o'clock. You're like, oh, it's, it's already like college football playoff. It's fine. Whatever. This podcast is there for you. It'll be there. We'll be back Monday, obviously, for you know recapping Packers-Vikings and anything else that happened this weekend. Last thought there with the Wisconsin Badgers. They just need a new offensive coordinator. They need Paul Chris to admit to himself that he just can't do this anymore. And, I, and I'm not saying Paul Chris needs to go out and get a spread offense guy. Paul Chris just needs to get a West Coast offensive coordinator, a coordinator that has been, you know, bred in the West Coast, maybe a West Coast spread hybrid, and just sort of have a new voice there. Paul Christ has, you know, ran his sort of gamut, I think, as a play caller. I just think he is not the coach that he was once before. And I don't know if it's just defenses have changed or if Paul Christ is, you know, stubborn and says, I can still do what I did back, you know, five or 10 years ago. But I do think Paul Christ needs to look really hard in the mirror and say, the way that we can be Michigan, because Michigan is a better version of Wisconsin, right? Is having a play caller who knows modern modern defenses. And I just don't know if Paul Christ is doing the work to understand what defenses are here in 2021, now 2022. It's just like, and I'm not being that critical. I'm just being realistic. He's a fucking, he's the CEO of the, the, the program. Like he's the guy that's running everything. He's checking in on defense. He's checking in on special teams. He's talking to recruits. He's doing all these things where, do you think Paul Kurtz really has time to be like, all right, let me study what Georgia is doing defensively and how do we how do we attack against that? What do we do? What is Michigan doing defensively and how do we attack against that? What is Al? You know what I mean? Like I don't think he's doing that. I don't think he's doing the legwork. Like I think I suggested a few weeks ago. Like I would look inside the Cincinnati program. I'd look for someone there. To me, Cincinnati runs a similar offense to what Wisconsin does. Like I would I would potentially see if that's available. I would look at other, you know, power style teams as potential, you know, maybe an analyst that's on Alabama right now and says, all right, could you, and I I realize Alabama runs a little more spread and maybe that's a little bit of a lofty, they probably pay more at Alabama, but look for somewhere where you can basically find somebody that's going to run your style of offense. It's going to be a little different than you, but it's basically maybe an exotic version of what Paul Christ is doing. They just need to level up. They need... They basically just need a little bit of, of, of cosmetic surgery. And you could take that any way you want. New calves, new boobs, whatever. That's what the Badgers need next year for, to take themselves to the next level. Because if they don't, I think they're going to just be this team. I think they're going to be you know, lucky to maybe get into the Rose Bowl, but probably a New Year's Day Bowl or a bowl right before New Year's Day. And that's just what the Badgers will be kind of for until they level up. They just need to level up. We'll see if they do it. We'll see about Graham Mertz. We'll see if they're they're going to go after a guy in the portal. I would recommend it. I do think Mertz has the talent to be there. I just don't know if, again, it's if he's a college football playoff quarterback. It's hard, it's, it's hard for me to say that. But we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what transpires in the next few months for the Wisconsin Badgers. All right, that does it for today's pod. It does it. This is the last one of the year. Thank you so much for all the listens. Appreciate it. All the follows, all the people that come up to me and tell me I love those game reviews. I love just your passion. Like all that shit means the world to me. And and if you haven't said anything, that's okay. Um, but no, I no, I appreciate you. No, I appreciate all the listens. All the all the people that are supporting me. I'm really hoping 
next year we can push even further. Um, I'll be honest, this was a tough year for me from a podcast blog perspective. Um, there were times where I wondered if it was worth it. Um, I'd kind of stopped blogging. I've now re- kind of reinvigorated myself on that. Um, I'm not going to commit to anything because I'm going to Hawaii in a week. So it's, it makes no sense for me to be like, the blog is back. But I am, gonna, I am blogging a little bit more. And I, I do like to write. And I think... I got swelled up with time management and things like that. I still have issues with it. I mean, I'm getting done podcasting at 11. I have to work out. I owe my wife some answers on some Hawaii stuff that we're doing. Like, it just, it's not getting easier to do this. Rather, it's getting harder. But I'm going to try my best. I'm going to keep going at it for you guys. I, I, I'm just, you know, it's, again, it's, it's a struggle. It, it's, it is at times. And hoping to do a little bit more. I would love to do some more interviews with, people in the Wisconsin sports world. I have a kind of a short list of dudes that I want to talk about. Uh, Probably some dudettes too, who knows, but right now my list is all dudes. Uh, But yeah, and if you have anybody that you'd like to see interviewed, let me know. Um, Could definitely try to make it happen. I got to think through, A, I got to understand how good I am at interviews or what I have to do differently. But B, I have to understand like kind of when when I can interview, when I can hollow out time to be like, hey, this person, can you jump on a podcast? Can you jump on a Zoom link? And we talk for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, hour. We'll see We'll see where it goes. But yeah, I'd love to, love to do more of that. I'd love to uh, get a little bit more in the mix. So, all right, guys. Well, take care of yourself. Have a safe new year. If you, whatever you do, uh, have fun. Uh, if you're just staying at home, great. If you're going out, have a have a blast. Uh, maybe you go see Shaken at Red, White, and Blue. I um, probably should have promoted that earlier. I think their VIP is sold out. And let's be honest, my audience is probably a little too old for Red, White, and Blue. That's okay. Um, they 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 accept all ages there. Don't don't worry about it. You don't you don't have to just be under thirty to uh, have a good time there. All right, I gotta go. See you later. Have a good one. We'll uh, we'll talk Monday. Bye.